welcome back everyone to another episode of the Mainline Pod. Laz, you're alongside me once again. It's been a fun week of football. There's been so much to watch. There'd be a lot to watch anyway, even if we didn't have the Asian Cup and the African Cup of Nations to check in on. But there's yeah. been so much to go over. It's been a fun week. How have you found it? Very much so, Nathan. Uh, it's been a interesting week in the world of football. And, uh, you know, having... You know, great to be alongside you again and having done our quarterfinal recaps of the Asian Cup and the AFCON. And yeah, it's been a, a big week, big week. And we've got uh, the semifinals in those respective competitions coming up very soon. Um, and well, A-League has just been going nuts. Premier League is back. La Liga and uh, Germany are in full swing. World football just keeps, just keeps on carrying on, Nathan. That it does, that it does. I was going to say, this is the third pod we've done this week. Yeah. Uh, won't be the last one either, I fancy. <laughs> no, no, I think I think we're uh, going to have to record by the end of the week with regard to our semi-final recaps mm. and yep. uh, final previews. So, yeah, we've got a another couple of uh, big records coming up in the that we do. That in we near do. future. I think we may eke out a Thursday night, perhaps, and we can... Yep. Yeah. Get those pods out on Friday to the people yes. and for a weekend preview because it's a massive weekend coming up. Indeed. Indeed. AFCON final, Asian Cup final. Yeah. But, Laz, what was your big story for the week? What stood out more than anything else for you in the past seven days? Well, the fact that we're going to have to do another record on Thursday night, Nathan. <laughs> that's standing out for me. <laughs> no, it's been great. It's been great. It's been awesome. Jeez. Um, okay, there's a couple of results that have stood out for me. But there have been a couple of events as well that have stood out. St. James Park, Newcastle United <laughs> versus Lytton Town, 4 all. That was entertaining. Oh, yeah. That was entertaining. Even for you? Look, I'm not going to lie. You know, at times there were, <laughs> I wasn't impressed. But, hey, look, you know, when you get eight goals and, you know, the spoils are shared, I'll take that. I'll take that. There are, there are worse things in life. And, yeah, the Madrid derby was an interesting one. With uh, Atletico yeah. uh, scoring right at the end, mm-hmm. Chelsea. Yep, oh, yeah, Chelsea. We'll, we'll have to talk about Chelsea a bit this week. Well, if it's not them, it's Man U. So it's <laughs> yeah, that soap opera keeps on giving. Yep, Marco Rudin. <laughs> that was the best. There but, is a stigma attached to my football club. <laughs> but it's, it's look, he's coming from a genuine place though. He I'm legit- sure it is mine, yeah. Yeah, he legitimately <laughs> believes that there is. And you know what? I think, you know, he may be right. And it could be emblematic of what has transpired in the game here as well. The fact that the active support around the country, forget Melbourne victory, we've already discussed, you know, in previous episodes throughout the year, their active support and, and their demise. However, um, Football Australia, Miles Romeo Leagues, kicked off the Western Sydney Wanderers and then Football Australia in some form or another then decided to, um, as we've covered previously as well, decided to out active support. And the one thing that, the one ingredient of our game that makes it unique is the active support. And they were thrown under the bus, rightly, wrongly, right? I mean, you know, maybe they were, you know, all the best intents. However, that was no way to treat... um, active supports and actually try and foster and engender those particular groups to add that ingredient to this league. Um, so 
the 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 points that Marco Rudin was making run a lot deeper, and that's why I like those comments actually. Or you look, know, I'm not a fan of the Wanderers. You know that I'm not right, but I've got nothing against the Wanderers at all. Right, some really good yeah. people are in that organization. Marco's right. Yeah, it got a little bit incoherent in the middle. His rant. It can because emotion straight after the game. Yes, uh, and I don't know how a uh, suggesting a racist agenda against Western Sydney results in refereeing decisions. So I, I kind of missed that link in my mind. Okay, he's trying to engender <laughs> an us against them. If you can't see that, oh, right? I see that. Okay, but it's so like. No, but and, the point, like, if you're going to try and install a siege mentality, then it's mm, got to be coherent and it's got to make sense. It doesn't. What of Jose's classic moments is coherent, right? What the, what Marco was trying to do, I think, and I'm not speaking for Marco here, but I can see that he was trying to make a connection about we're victimized, we're, you know, we're um, got our backs up against the wall, we're being picked on, we're not liked, right? We're disliked, they're trying to stick it to us. Right and who is but who's trying to stick it to them? The the man school of rock, <laughs> the man, the system, right? And I get it now. I mean, the media is no longer sticking it to anyone because the media don't care anyway. <laughs> yeah, that ship has sailed. <laughs> that ship has sailed, right? So the fact that um, and maybe he's trying to do something to get people to care, and that's where the link is, right? You know the. The fact is that the people of Western Sydney are victimised. They're tro- they're downtrodden, right? I like this kind of narrative as far as trying to use those elements to engender a sense of activation within the broader fan base to appeal to those kind of people to actually get them off their asses and go to the ground and support this club. I don't think it would work, though, because... He's got to try. I He's think- trying, though. He's trying. Yeah, I think anything like that does is just leads to more people getting disenfranchised. Because if you go down the line of, oh, the A-Leagues don't like us, the A-Leagues want to make us lose games, the referees sure. make wrong decisions on purpose so we lose games, which sure. I think is very dangerous comments. And sure. Because there's a section of every supporter base who thinks there's a conspiracy against their club sure. when it comes to referees. But any time a manager actually invokes that, it's very dangerous. And it does a lot more harm than it does good to the game. And... I think in general, I, when I was watching it, I was laughing at him. I figured you would be. Yes. Especially oh, was, especially with yes. MacArthur getting the chocolates. <laughs> exactly, yes. And, hey, we had some fortune go our way. But uh, these things happen in football. Yes, they do. But, the, yeah, that's sort of where I'm coming from with it. I think it is dangerous sure. to just out-referees and at-referees like, mm. and label those decisions as some wider conspiracy and all that. I was going to say, it's not just about referees. It's about trying. Well, it's, not, it's linking yeah. these things to what is what has just transpired and other things that have transpired, right? And yes, two plus two is uh, equaling equaling five in this case, right? I don't mind the approach, right? It does show that he cares. It it's not just tokenism, and I think in context as well, and maybe these kind of this kind of positioning has come about because of the A-League um, access all areas um, that was dropped about the Wanderers last week, right, with regards to, you know, the origins of the club and all that kind of stuff. So maybe it was just a bit of a build-up of things with regards to, okay, well, the result hasn't gone our way here. I'm just going to tee off. Yeah, and he'll cop a hefty fine 
Yes, maybe he is. else, maybe on top as well, a a touchline ban perhaps, and uh, the A Leagues would be right to uh, hand something like that out. We saw something similar to uh, Tolga Aslan after the Perth game for descent towards referees, mm-hmm. and look, it's a topic that we've talked about many, many times that there is no respect for the officials and moments like what we saw this weekend in multiple games don't help that whatsoever. Yep. Should in the Western Sydney game, Valeja Manum himself probably. Mm-hmm. Was the Wanderers red card a red card? Yes, it was. But that in my mind over that. And sure. did the ball cross the line? We'll never know. We don't have an angle. But if the referees deemed it didn't cross the line, there was a handball from Claire as well. So it would have been a penalty. Okay. No, that's fair. I mean, fair. were the Wanderers uh, were the Wanderers like hard done by 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 the referee decisions? I find it hard to believe that it was just a, a wide ranging conspiracy and everything came together to really hurt the Wanderers. Oh, we want them to lose this game because also why would <laughs> why would the A-Leagues and the officials risk their careers, their FIFA licenses and all that for the sake of bloody MacArthur? <laughs> Fair enough. Hey, very well put. I wouldn't. But yeah. that's just me, right? <laughs> no. Um, but look, I like the box office attraction where Mark goes, I've got a few things mm. to say. So you can ask me one question, but I'm just going to go off. <laughs> He and, was not expecting that Barolo question. And he did. <laughs> so, yes. Completely yeah, yeah. blindsided by that. That's He's right. Ready to tee off. Yeah. The bull in the gate. <laughs> yeah, dude. When's Barolo back? <laughs> um, but that rant there is uh, up there all time, early press conferences. Oh, it's a great one. Yeah. With, and, uh, and it's... What, what else is in that Hall of Fame, like Pissant Town? Yes, that's a good one. <laughs> Look, yeah, geez. Yeah, that is a good one. I forgot about that. That is a really good one, actually. Yes. Oh, there have been some great rants mm. in the A-League as well. And, like, great moments for managers on TV. Like, where's my apology, Adam? <laughs> <laughs> yep. Yeah, indeed. Indeed. Mm. Mm. So, yes. So, where did you want to go, Nathan? Did you want to keep going with the A-Leagues? Because it's been – it was uh, a bit of a fun weekend, I think. It was a fun week. It was a fun week. and. Mm. Laz, well, we should talk about the game that happened today. I yeah, think, two donuts. Recent. Yeah, two donuts. Yeah, good crowd. Biggest crowd at Wellington this season. Twelve thousand and some change. Mm. Great to see on uh, Waitangi Day. Yeah, and look, it's always a shame when a big crowd turns up for a, a goalless draw. But I thought the game was pretty enjoyable to watch and very accustomed, very familiar with two teams at the top of the table, first versus second. Very cagey and. Both teams didn't want to lose it. Yeah, having watched um, the highlights extensively from after work this afternoon, I thought it was a pretty ca- it was a pretty cagey affair. But yes, there were no goals. It wasn't a boring watch though, which makes mm. it really good in that sense. Um, that was it was good to see, and I think they'll be meeting each other down the road very soon, somewhere yes. along the line toward the end of this season. I think the Mariners are the team to beat. It's shaping that way, isn't it? What is it? 12 games unbeaten? Mm. Something like that? Mm. I've, look, I still make, for some reason, I've still got a feeling about the Wanderers, right? I'm quite bullish on them. But, yeah, it's a fascinating watch at the moment in the men's. Yeah. like, Do I think the Wanderers can win the Premier's Plate? No. No. I'm going to say no. No. Can I, they win I, the toilet seat? Yes, absolutely yes. they can. Yeah, I agree. I agree with you there. Mm. Because... They're not consistent enough to put a run together to finish first, but they can put a three-game run together. Mm. On, uh, on their day, they are very difficult to beat. 
with regard to the men's, I'm I'm very intrigued as to how Wellington is still doing what they're doing as well. Yeah, it's a fascinating watch. Um, Central Coast are waiting in the in the you know in the wings, um, mm-hmm. but yeah, it's just fascinating to see this current incarnation of the Wellington side doing what they're doing, and they've been you know you think that I thought that they would have dropped off, right? Mm. I mean, they've still got what six fixtures left. I don't see the, the most I would see them actually dropping is probably two of those six. Um, yeah, I mean, they've still got to play West United, Perth. Adelaide, Sydney, Brisbane, teams mm. that aren't up there in the title race with them. Really, I, I wouldn't say any of them are. Like they're, they're run home, right? I'll just read it out. West United, yeah. MacArthur, Perth, Adelaide, Melbourne City, Sydney and Brisbane. So they don't yeah. have to play the victory. They don't have to play the Wanderers. They don't have to play the Mariners again. Correct. They've got the easiest run home. Mm. So are they in the box seat? Probably. They are now after today's result. Yeah. Mm. If they had picked up three points today, I'd probably say, yes, they'll probably go and win it. I'm yeah. pretty confident on that. Yeah. Yeah, very much so. And then you compare the Mariners' run. They've still got to play Western Sydney in the victory. Well, they can win those games, sure. But uh, it's a lot tougher to uh, overcome the big run that uh, I'm sort of seeing the Phoenix going on. Do we think the six stays as is? I think so, yes. Mm. I reckon it is. The current six as it is now. Wellington, Central Coast, Melbourne Victory, MacArthur, Western Sydney, and Melbourne City. I think so. The only team in outside the six that can get in is Sydney FC. I agree. I agree. And um, I think in place of uh, Melbourne City. Yeah. I th- yeah. I think Marco Tilio being back in City Blue is something that uh, we really should uh, look out for for the rest of the season. Yeah. It's I a think big they'll move. be all right mm. to finish in the six. They should be fine. They can win the whole thing. With yeah, for sure. The team. Indeed. Indeed. Um, in the women's, it's quite tight in there as well. And Sydney FC yeah. doing, you know, Sydney FC look like they're starting to hit their straps again. After having a bit of a patchy form of late, but um, you've got Melbourne City, you know, West United still this run, you know, that they're as far as the last couple of seasons since their inception into the A League Women's has been phenomenal, really. Um, Sydney FC and, and Melbourne Victory rounding out the four. Perth's still hanging on, Nathan. Oh, they're on the slide. Yeah, but they're still hanging they're, they're, on. Like, I'm putting a line through them, to be honest. Do we think the Wanderers of Central Coast can make a run at it? I think they can. Mm. I'm looking more at the Wanderers than the Mariners. To knock off uh, Melbourne victory? Yeah, maybe. I'd see victory dropping out of the four. I think the four is as they are now. Last season, the four were the same as they are now. The three Melbourne clubs in Sydney, weren't they? Correct, yeah. Mm. I mean, I'm inclined to say that it's going to be the, as it is now. Three Melbourne mm. clubs and Sydney FC. I think the victory have enough in them. And Chids had a very good game on the weekend. Finding form. Regular minutes, mm-hmm. and that's only going to be good for the team. Yeah, West United look really good. I don't see Perth recovering and salvaging the form. I don't. I, they're on the slide massively. They'll be lucky to finish top six. Not that that matters, but mm. I think they'll finish bottom half. And yeah, can Western Sydney get up to fourth? Maybe, but I wouldn't bet on it. That's fair enough. But Laz on A Women's and mm-hmm. Australian Women's Football more broadly, mm-hmm. we're expecting yes. a uh, Matilda squad announcement tomorrow. Yes, that is imminent, isn't it? Yep. And the headline news is that Michelle Hamer's is getting a recall. That is interesting. Mm. That's Look, the rumour. She's been in form. She's been in form, but she's been on the outer for so long mm. with regards been, to the Matilda what, side. Three, four years since at least she was in the national team? At least since, I, I think, uh, since Tony's 
Tony G took over. Interesting call-up, if that does come to fruition. It's a, a short-term solution, obviously. Yes. And the question is, should there be a chance for a younger player? I'm inclined to say in this instance, no, because the Matildas need a, a short-term fix for Sam Kerr's absence. Two big games against Uzbekistan coming up. Yep. And assuming players stay fit, or the current players stay fit and on form to a certain extent, then moving into the Olympics with a small squad of 18 as well. Yeah, that's right. I, th- I think, yeah, bringing back Michelle Heyman, who, as you say, is in fine fettle this season. I think she's had a great season, actually, for Canberra. Yeah. Mm. In, um, you know, considering... A very porous Canberra team. I was going to say, considering yeah. that they're um, that where they're placed on the table, I think she's had a great season. Who else would you take though if it wasn't Michelle Heyman? I would say Sophie Harding. That's yes, you did mention you have mentioned that mm. before. You've positioned for that, and I and you know what? There's merit to that. There's merit to that because she's had a great season as well. She has. It's just the question of whether she's ready to make the step up to national team level yeah. right now, and that's the point. Like would, in 2024, she's got to have a go in the in training. As far as you've mm. got to bring call her into the squad and see exactly how she fits in. But we're not exactly holding our breath with Tony G. No, we're we're expecting a, a departure within 12 months, if not sooner. I, I, if not sooner, indeed. I think if we're sitting here, if we're still doing the podcast in 12 months' time. Mm-hmm. I say that not because we're ending it, but nothing's guaranteed. No. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, if we're sitting here in 12 months and Tony G's still the Matilda's boss, I, I think we'd both be pretty surprised. Oh, no, most definitely. Most mm. definitely. I don't, I, don't, I don't foresee Tony G actually being the Matilda's boss post-Olympics, that's for sure. Yeah. And I know you're of the same opinion. I am. I am. And uh, look, we've, we've covered it off in the past. I think the Matilda's can upgrade on Tony G. Yeah, they can. Okay. Mm. Question is who, Nathan? Yeah. Can you I mean, get him on tomorrow? Yeah, yeah. Jeez. That that would be the first person I would call. Yep. And if he says no, he still has uh, things he wants to achieve in Europe. Fair enough. Indeed. Where else do you go? Do you call Ante Juric, perhaps? You do? Yep. I definitely. think he'd be on the short list. Definitely on the short list. Most definitely. Why not Graham Arnold? He's had enough of the uh, soccerist job. He can go ahead <laughs> in the Tilters. <laughs> no, oh, no, that no. would go down like a lead balloon. <laughs> but um, no, it would. But uh, I'm not saying this to be facetious in any way or stir. But is it? T- uh, what about um, someone like Ellis, Jill Ellis? Yeah, I can see it. Right, I think that would be show a bit of um, ambition with regards to hey, we're trying to look at the program and improve the program upon where we're at. And look, you know, Tony G's maintained that he knows what it, what it's taken to get to those kind of results. Well, why not go to the mentor? Yeah. Yeah. It's a good shout. It's a good shout. But uh, I dare say we'll be revisiting this conversation soon. Uh-huh. Maybe not the immediate, but soonish. Uh-huh. But yes, the Matildas home and away against Uzbekistan for a spot in Paris 24 where... I think we're hopeful and expectant that the Matildas will get the job done. Oh, they should be favourites for it, Nathan. Yeah. They should very be favourites for it. And uh, yes, the leg that's being played in Australia will be played at in Melbourne at Marvel, of course. The wonderful Marvel Stadium. It should be a, a sellout. Um, it's already been sold out. Correct. Um, and yeah, that'll be a great night. Hopefully it turns out to be a great night on the pitch too. Well, Indeed. Some other uh, Aussie football news. Because mm-hmm. uh, we have the... Uh, 
closing of a transfer window. We covered off in the last main line about some of the A-League players moving to Europe, the likes of Joe Gauci to Villa and Hall to Brighton and uh, one or two others that uh, have been moving around in the last uh, airings of the window. One we didn't uh, see at the time because it hadn't been announced yet was uh, Aiden Hrustic moving from uh, Hellas Verona to uh, Heracles. In uh, in the Netherlands. Yes. Yeah, this is a good move, I think. Mm, he played his best football at uh, Groningen. Mm. Can you say that again? Groningen is that Groningen? <laughs> you got to like get the phlegm going on the G, like Groningen. Groningen. <laughs> Fair enough. I just want to make sure I get the pronunciation right, which yeah. is fine. <laughs> and uh, yeah, he moves to the uh, second best club in the Far East of Holland. And the first one being, of course, Nathan. <laughs> FC Twente. <laughs> there you go. FC Twente. So, yes. Now, uh, who Graham Arnold played for? Mm. I'm pretty sure he's on. Senator Cawley did play for FC Twente. And Vitesse Arnhem, if I'm not mistaken, as well. Yeah, and he's got Feyenoord links too. Has he really? I didn't know that. I think so. Maybe no. I'm, maybe I'm getting confused with someone else. Perhaps. I don't Perhaps. recall him being involved with Feyenoord. But there you go. Hey, listen, I've got a, uh, an apology to make. Oh, go on. During our uh, AFC recap episode, mm-hmm. I mentioned the one that just went out. The one that just went out. Uh, mm-hmm. I made an omission. Mm-hmm. I left someone out when, when I was speaking about Australian strikers who were at a high standard. Oh yeah, because we mentioned Tim Cahill as a yep, Mark Paduka, Mark Paduka, yes. Well, there are a couple of players that I missed. Although one isn't a striker, but uh, one is most definitely a striker, and I have to apologise. And mm. uh, I was thinking about it this afternoon on my drive home from work, thinking, how the hell did I, you know, forget to mention John Aloisi? No, of course. <laughs> Osasuna, Celta Vigo, yeah. you know, Coventry City fame. Yeah. So one John Aloisi, I owe an apology to you. You were very, very much a class striker and obviously um, handled, you know, had a distinguished soccer career as well, of course. Even outside of November 16, 2005. Correct. Most definitely outside of that. Um, mm. Yeah, and Harry Kill was an absolute yeah. star in the uh, green and gold as well. And they're think, the kind of players that we need to try and regenerate, especially in the attacking third where we're missing yeah, quality. For sure. I mean, this team is crying out for a John Aloisi up front. Very much so. Very much mm. so. Even, even a Josh Kennedy. Well, look, I think Mitch Duke is um, supposed to be in the similar vein to Joshua Kennedy. Joshua Kennedy, you know, held himself very distinctly in in uh, the duty of the Socceroos. He definitely made a, a strong contribution, and I can tell you what we could have done with someone of that caliber um, against South Korea the other day. Indeed, we could have. If you want to know more on our thoughts for the Socceroos and the Asian Cup campaign, then do check out, as Laz mentioned, the uh, AFC quarterfinal recap that did go out earlier this week. We went through and gave all our thoughts about the quarterfinal against South Korea and uh, the disappointment that left. But Laz, I'm happy to uh, put that game into a box, seal it up and put it away in the back of the cupboard now. (laughs) (laughs) That's fair enough, Nathan. I completely understand that. Mm. Where did you want to go And we can go to a different Australian manager. Mm -hmm. Uh, No surprise. Uh, We love talking about him, Ange. Mm -hmm. And uh, he made a signing this week that I'm sure caught your attention because it was getting one up over Barcelona. But um, speaking of Ange, mm. he did have one disappointment in the transfer window. <laughs> yes. 
Right. The club not seeing it as the uh, right fit. Hmm. And look, I mean, I I can understand Daniel Levy's positioning on that, but the fact that uh, Spurs lost uh, out to Ferrari with regards <laughs> to the to the signing of Lewis Hamilton is. Uh, is a bone of contention, I think, and I think Spurs fans have got every right to be irate. Oh, that was hilarious! Yeah, that, that was great, absolutely great, well played. And the four blind light calling out all the journos, ready with the the laptops, typing absolutely. away, thinking they've got a headline. <laughs> like the delivery of Andrew is just absolutely brilliant. Yeah, oh, so good, so yeah. good. But yes, you were mentioning a signing, Nathan. Yes, Lucas Bergevall. Uh-huh. He's a seventeen-year-old Swedish midfielder who was heavily touted to go to Barcelona, but hey, Ange effect. He's got a good draw, and Spurs of all clubs have beaten Barcelona to a signing. Does that surprise you? A little bit, a little bit. Well, when you have Bournemouth signing players that you know mm-hmm. that against Champions League club, um, where these Champions League clubs can't, um, yeah, you know, uh, nail their potential signings. And they're going to Bournemouth to potentially struggle. I mean, although the draw of uh, Bournemouth with Muriello uh, as the uh, as the manager is is different now. Yeah, very but, much um, so. And mm. but at the risk of sounding like Gary Neville here, ah, oh, here we this go. This is Barcelona. We're talking oh, about. Well, come on, can you do it? Right? <laughs> this is Barcelona. <laughs> no, no, we're talking about Manchester United. <laughs> oh, jeez. Look, I, yeah, I can take Gary Neville in. Small doses. Um, yes. I suppose. Well, con- like, congratulations to Spurs. Yeah, very much so. They, and yeah. hey, people who play football manager know all about Lucas Bergvall. Yes. As a, <laughs> as a wonder kid. Um, and really, the guy is born in, what, 2005? Mm-hmm. Last time Barca won a Champions League, 2009. Mm-hmm. He would have been four years old. He probably doesn't remember it. And the Premier League has just been coming on leaps and bounds since then. Does teenagers of today have that real sort of sense that Barcelona is a destination club? Because they've been nowhere for some time now. Oh, not compared to their reputation. Sure. Hang on. Barcelona have won La Liga. Sure. In recent times. I mean, they only won it sure. last year, right? Now, yeah. the fact that they've failed miserably in Europe, mm. right, is in, in recent years, um, yes, might, might take some of the luster away from having won La Liga. Barcelona are a basket case, and we're about to see it unravel, I think. I don't know who goes to Barcelona to manage this side. The talk is Hansi Flick. That seems to be progressing. Do you see it? Do you see that as a fit for no, Barcelona? I don't. That will be a, that'll be a disaster. Yeah. So, um, and nothing against Hansi Flick. I don't mind him as a manager. Right? He was quite oh, successful. Of course, though. Yeah, but he was quite successful in Germany. Not so successful for the national side, but I think the players just stopped playing for him, actually. They I just... I don't think they um, were motivated enough to play for uh, Hansi Flick. However, there's there are jobs for him out there that he could do really well. I don't know if Barcelona is the is the right fit for him. I really don't. Same yeah, way, I, I mean, don't. I'm sorry, I was going to say same way. I wouldn't see Ancelotti, for instance, or any other big name being a fit for Barcelona. No, look. I just wanted to see you defend Barca in the last bit. <laughs> Why would I do that, Nathan? <laughs> well, you managed to do it. You came to defend their honour, and then you then you slag them off after that. <laughs> I, I won't. I don't have to defend their honour. They're a basket case of a club. 
<laughs> right. The, pol- the political machinations of that club are unlike any other. Um, okay, maybe comparable to Real Madrid, but I think Florentino Perez has done an amazing job there at the moment, and I don't see any political fallout um, trying to claim his role. No, but uh, Perez is not getting any younger. Maybe no. when the time comes for him to step aside, then, hey, maybe Real Madrid get thrown into turmoil as well. Who knows? I think there will be an anointed successor, and I think uh, you'll find the Real Madrid socios will uh, will vote that way as well. Fair enough. Fair enough. But, Laz, I want to take you to a different story coming out of Spanish football uh, from the past weekend. Mm-hmm. I'm all is. I want to- I want to take you to uh, Rio Vallecano against Sevilla. I like Vallecano as a club. Mm, great stadium. Yeah, yeah, it is. It is. Um, but um, oh, look, there's some great stadiums in Spain though as well. All right, some small, some some large, but Vallecano as a club uh, is a bit of a vibe, so I don't mind it. Mm, and yes. there's a few clubs in Spain which are a bit of a vibe, actually. Yours is one, mm-hmm. one of those. Yep. There's a whole host that you can rattle off, I, I think. Like Real Betis is a good one. Anyone but Hetafe. But anyway. <laughs> yes. <laughs> right. for, for multiple reasons. For multiple reasons. <laughs> but Real Betis is, uh, is, is, is a cool club as well. Mm. Yes, very much so. Very much so. But, Laz, I sent you a little video clip from the game yes, that happened. Yes, you did. Yes, you did. <laughs> Senora, do uh, you mind? That's all I'm, I would say. Yes. I can't believe it, right? Never did I think in doing this podcast we'd mm. be talking about a hopper. Not once, but twice. It wasn't really a hopper. <laughs> oh, I mean. No, the first one that you spoke about in Mexico was. Yeah. That definitely was. This one here was a. Um, it's just <laughs> An a. Inquisitive poke. <laughs> a. Well, okay. Well, maybe I've missed it. I need. Oh, no, I don't want to delve into it further. <laughs> but uh, it looked more like a pinch on the ass than anything else. No, no, it was definitely from, a finger. From, from a female admirer. <laughs> no, it was definitely a finger going was where it? it shouldn't. <laughs> okay. It didn't look like that to me on, on private mm. facing, but okay. Mm. I'll take your word for uh, yeah. it, Dave. Yes. Uh, I didn't think we'd be covering off multiple hoppers on this uh, podcast, but yeah, here we are. To be honest, I didn't think we'd ever cover <laughs> off a, a hopper on this podcast. Amazing. Amazing. So uh, Lucas Ocampos, the Sevilla player, has gone over to take a throw in, and he's uh, lining up to take a, a bit of a, a run-up, a, a long throw, and uh, one of the supporters in the front row has just led forward and uh, stuck a finger. I swear I thought that, that lady had, had pinched his ass rather than actually did that. <laughs> I mean, okay, uh, bit of a cackle, right? Bit of a uh, objectifying. I would have thought. Mm-hmm. Um, but well, if you okay. want to get down the serious route, we can call it what it is, and it's sexual assault. Yes, it is. Mm-hmm. Yes, it is. By the by definition, it is. Mm-hmm. Um, do we know if the player's taken it any further? Uh, no. Okay, I think he just would have been taken aback and thought, "What? No, that surely didn't happen, <laughs> right?" But okay. <laughs> Yeah. Um, look, we can laugh about it, but you're right, Nathan. It is, it is a technically speaking, yeah, it is a, a form of assault. Because, and I tell you what, if it was a, a, a women's player, we certainly would be laughing about it. Oh, go- goodness, no, no. Mm. It's, it's just not on. Mm. It's just not on. So, where do you stand on it, though? Oh, I laughed in the moment, of course. I'm laughing now. Mm-hmm. It's funny, but look, if we're being serious about it, then yeah, it's uh, not something you want to see. 
even if it is funny. Man, their cameras pick up everything, don't they? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, there was one story out of Spain, and uh, speaking about Real Madrid and Hatafe last week, mm. Bellingham put yep. one on Greenwood. Oh, that he did. That he did. And definitely told him what he thought of him as well. Yep. And uh, Always ready to do. And Bellingham um, definitely um, didn't hide the fact uh, what he thought of him. No. And uh, was fully, you know, fully aware of the fact that it would be captured. Yep. And the problem is he's maybe facing a ban or some sort of sanction. On what basis? Verbal assault, maybe. I don't know. But Okay. Okay. That was the, the talk coming out of it, that Bellingham's going to be reprimanded in some fashion, which seems backwards to me, but I agree you do you, La Liga. Yeah. Oh, well, yeah, it was an interesting, um, interesting coming together. And... Mm. The disdain on uh, Bellingham's face was uh, was very apparent with regard to um, how he perceives that particular individual. Hmm. Yes, and uh, not in a glowing light, hmm. and uh, quite rightly so. Yeah, indeed. Les, I want to take you to Germany. Let's go to Germany, Nathan. Because, yes, we'll talk about the Bundesliga and uh, Leverkusen and Bayern in a second, but I want to drop down a tier. Into... to the Zwei Bundesliga. The Zwei Bundesliga. And talk about Schalke. I'm glad you mentioned that because that was one of the things I wanted to bring up this week. Yeah. And the headline is that if they do manage to get relegated this season, they're currently 15th in the mm. table. Mm-hmm. They, they uh, could definitely drop lower uh, in the games to come. They're, they're at a real risk of relegation. The headline is, is that they will not be granted a license to compete in the third tier, meaning they'll have to drop to the fourth tier amateur leagues. Insane for a club mm. that you know was playing Champions League not so long ago. Yeah, but on a regular basis. Yeah, on, on a regular basis. They finished second like not that long ago. Mm. Yeah, and for them to be here now in this position, potentially being sent to oblivion, effectively, mm. it's it, it is a real shame. And look, everyone laughs when a, a big club gets relegated, and rightly so. It's always fun. Like it'd be fun if I don't know, say and a Liverpool or an Arsenal or Chelsea get relegated. It'd be hilarious, right? Or a but, Man U. Yeah, or, or United, yeah. They, they fall in this bracket as well, they do. <laughs> um, but there comes a point where it gets too far, and especially when they're going that far down, then it just becomes a sad state of affairs. And you just think, Schalke have been struggling for many years now. They still pack out their 65,000-seat stadium every week. And if they were to go down to the fourth tier, there a lot of supporters are going to be... Scratching the heads thinking, what now? Because I don't know where the club would go from there. Yeah, that's an interesting one, Nathan. Um, without having delved into the recent details of Schalke and, and the way that their uh, their ownership is structured, uh, it might be might give rise to a um, an insurgency, maybe towards yeah. the administration of the club from the supporters, and the supporters can would say, okay, our turn to claim back the club and uh, administer it. So, yeah, I, I dare say that might be the way that they go um, because it isn't one of those clubs, unlike, say, Hoffenheim, for instance, with a with a major owner, majority mm. owner. So that'll be an interesting dynamic nonetheless. Yeah, so hopefully they'll be able to turn it around, Schalke, because mm. they're too big of a club to go that far down the pyramid. It's reminiscent of uh, Deportivo La Coruña. Yeah, it is. Because it La, is. La Coruña are... Uh, 
on the precipice of uh, another relegation as well, from what uh, by all accounts. Uh, yeah, that'd be a again very sad state of affairs for a huge club in Spain. Yeah. Mm. And you know, I'd in, say they'd be the most fun. They'd, they'd be the most uh, fun club name to say in all world football. Deportivo La Coruña. You smile every time you say it. <laughs> yeah, there, there you go. There you go. <laughs> no, there's some great. There's some great football club names. That's for sure. Mm. But let's let's head back up to the Bundesliga. Yep. By Leverkusen again, another win. Yes, and a big game this weekend, Nathan. Massive there's game. A this couple weekend. of big games this weekend. One in Spain and one in yep. Germany, which will impact upon the title and where the title goes. Mm, indeed, indeed. But oh, you're it's right. a massive weekend in football because mm. our focus has been the two international tournaments and their mm. finals are on this weekend. Mm. But in clubland, it's a massive weekend as well. Bayer Leverkusen against Bayern Munich, or should I say the other way around? This is the title. For all intents and purposes, yes. This is it. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, comes down to who takes this one out. I think Leverkusen will. And that's one thing I'm looking forward to this weekend. Mm, but we're not at that stage of the pod just yet, no, guys, unless well, you want to wrap no, up already. No, no, not at all. <laughs> not at all. I'm just jumping in early. Mm. Um, <laughs> but yes, uh, yeah, it'll be a fascinating watch. It'll be a fascinating watch to see how, at this stage of the season, Leverkusen go up against uh, um, the traditional powerhouse of uh, Bayern Munich. Yeah, and look, part of me thinks that Bayern are Bayern and... They'll find a way to win the game and then go on a big run and win the league. They always seem to have it in them. But look, this Leverkusen team are something special. They really are. And what is yes, it, 16 wins out of 20 and four mm. draws, still mm. unbeaten. An yeah. incredible season they're having. An incredible season. And they haven't got Boniface at the moment. He's out injured. Yeah. Yeah, that's so right. They're, they're still doing it without him. And That's right. Yeah. I think a lot of the credit has to go to Jamie Lonzo. Not going away like Arsenal. They're not going no. away. I did not see that result coming. Yeah, yeah, that's... Mm. Shall we talk about it? Yes, indeed. As he says with a smile on his face. <laughs> oh, now he's laughing like a Cheshire cat. There you go. Yes, yes. I mean, Arsenal are the only hope for me this season in the title race because that's, it's one, that's of, true. one of three. One that's of three. True. It's no more than three who are in the title race. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're fortunate to still have three, and not two, as it usually has been in the last, I don't know how long. But... Good mm. win for the Gunners and Liverpool, their second loss of the season. If uh, you want to discount the one that happened at Tottenham, then their first legitimate loss of the season. You can't discount it. It's on, it's on, <laughs> it's in the books, Nathan. Yeah, yeah. But with all that happened, you know. Yeah, sure. Um, but they had an off day here, Liverpool. Yeah, they really did. Really bad day. Really yeah. bad day at the office. Alisson and Van Dijk. Yeah, no, most definitely. They, yeah, most definitely they did have an off day. And look, these days are going to happen. Right, um, the fact that it happens at Arsenal um, just makes the league more interesting. This is going to be a fascinating finish now. It, that's just brought the league back to life. I hope it will be fascinating, and City don't just go on a massive run. <sighs> Look, they do have it in them, but I don't know if they will go on this huge run because Liverpool have surrendered the lead now of the of the Premier League, effectively Correct. with City's game in hand. Correct. So they've got their noses in front. City, is it going to be the case that they're just going to go up into the sunset now? Maybe. I hope not, obviously. Um, they still have to play each other, though, Nathan, as well. They do. They do. They do. And uh, it wouldn't be a 12.30 kickoff, would it? Probably. 
Klopp's final game in week 38 should just be a 12.30 kickoff, one for the road. <laughs> That's right. Uh, I think it will be, you know. I think they'll give special dispensation to to Liverpool to have a 12.30 kickoff on a Saturday. <laughs> uh, yeah. Um, but, yeah, title race blown wide open. I still think Liverpool will do it. Mm-hmm. Okay. Today, yeah, yesterday was an off day, sure. But there's too much surrounding Klopp and his departure. Mm. Like they're not guaranteed to go on a massive run and be galvanised mm. and all that. We covered that off last week. Mm. But I still think it's theirs. And City have that run in them. They always do. But I think Liverpool just will get over the line, unfortunately, uh, for, yeah. from my point of view. I think we need to see the start of April and how mm. and how it's panning out at that point. Um, there's still a bit of football to be played between now and then. But I think um, the start of April is what will determine exactly where each team lies as far as their chances of winning the Premier League is concerned. Yes, Man City have a run in them. Liverpool are probably stronger um, than Man City in terms of physicality and um, the demands that the season's had. I think Man City have got the overall the better roster, but I think Liverpool get more out of their players than what Man City do. If that makes sense, um, yeah, yeah, you know, yeah, I can see that. Yeah, so I think um, I thought Arsenal would would be a bit more emphatic. That win against Liverpool does give them a sense of hope. I think there is a three horse race though for the, for this title now, which is good. But I see Arsenal fading first, and then it'll be a shootout between Liverpool and Man City. And I think Liverpool will just sneak it, as we said now. Yeah, I mean Arsenal are just. A little bit toothless for my liking. They need a striker, they, Nathan. They do. They do. They do. They, they, do. they need someone and, that gives them twenty-five goals, you know, in a season. And they even then, that. like Saka's not scoring enough. Barnelli's not doing enough. Trossard's okay as a squad player, but they need more from him as well. And you don't need to have an out-and-out number nine who scores twenty-five goals to win your league. You don't necessarily need it, but Jesus is not it. He's not that striker to even yeah. really facilitate a title-winning team. Yeah, he hasn't done it in the past, and he won't do it now. I do think you're right. They will fade away first, but uh, maybe they can turn it around and uh, keep the uh, the run going. Mm. One club, Laz, who won't be in the title race this season for sure is uh, Chelsea. We need to talk about them. Before we do that, um, Villa were emphatic, weren't they? Oh, they were. Yeah. They made a statement. They're hanging around. They're hanging around for that top four race. Mm. Mm. They're not in the title race anymore. No, they're not. They're, they're too far back, but I don't see them falling out of the top five positions. No. No, I don't. Okay. But it's a big game this weekend for Villa. Yeah, it is actually. The, the visit of Manchester United, and I say that not from a Manchester United perspective, yeah, that's right. but yeah. this is United are six at the moment. Yeah, correct. It's a, it is a big game. It is a big game for the Champions League race. If Villa win this, mm. then I reckon they're pretty home and dry. Mm. They're pretty much there for mm. the Champions League for next season. So that's a big one. Mm. Uh, that's true. Do you have but- some doubts over Villa? Oh, I think I don't think they get Champions League. You think they drop out of the top five? Um, possibly, possibly. I I just think they just miss out, just but like on the last day. Or who? Mm, that I can't answer yet. That I can't answer yet. I just think that there's a small, uh, I wouldn't say collapse, but it's just a, a small window at the end of the season where they just uh, drop points where they, you know, where they shouldn't. And, you know, when it comes to squeaky bum time, they just miss out. Doing a uh, a Leicester. Possibly, yes. 
<laughs> Although they've got um, a better manager than what Leicester had at the time, that's for sure. That is true. That is indeed true. <laughs> um, speaking of managers, mm-hmm. Pochettino and Chelsea. Yes. yes. I think everyone's where, patience has run dry. Where do they go to? Because we're the same amount of games as we were under Graham Potter for Poch now, and they're basically in the exact same spot. In fact, they're worse than they were under Potter at this stage. And they were demolished by Wolves on the weekend. That was emphatic. That was. They're just the bastard case of a team. And so many of those players on the pitch who should be doing a lot better than what they are, they're not... Look, they're letting themselves down. They are. They're not really playing to their potential. And it's very hard to do that as well when you're at a club that is in such a mess as what they are. Mm. They spoke about it on uh, Football Weekly this week. Yeah. Where in an alternate universe where... Chelsea signed Declan Rice and Moises Caicedo went to Arsenal. Yeah, that what would have been interesting. What does each player's season look like? I, I dare say it would be very similar to what we're seeing now in reality with the Arsenal midfielder and the Chelsea midfielder. Yeah, no, that's an interesting positioning there. I think you're, I think that makes sense to me, what, what's being discussed. I just don't know where they go to. It really is, if I was a Chelsea supporter, I'd be really concerned. Yeah. Really concerned. And- a headline that I saw today is that Chelsea are concerned by sacking Poch because they don't think they can afford the, the, the compensation. <laughs> Surely they being, can. They're being breach they of FFP and PSR rules. They might get a points deduction. Pardon me. Surely they can afford it. Yeah, they might be in breach of FFP, but how long do they let this situation keep going for, Nathan? Who do they even go for if they sack Poch? Well, that's it. Well, there are calls for, for Mourinho to go back. <laughs> I don't see it. But <laughs> I can just picture it. Day one, Jose Mourinho rocks up to Cobham, walks through mm. the door, looks around, and goes, "No, nah, I'm out." <laughs> this is not my club. Nope. <laughs> this is not my Chelsea. <laughs> yeah, and dealing with Bowley and Igbali, like, he's got to be put off by that. Surely, there's no way Jose agrees to go back to Chelsea. No, look, I think Jose just needs to. Um... Stay out of football for for at least the rest of this season, mm. just to freshen himself up a bit. He'll still get job offers. Oh, for sure. I think it didn't end well from at Roma, but you can class that as a success. Absolutely, you can. Yeah, indeed, indeed. And I think that has the ship sail for Jose to take over a, a mega club, maybe, maybe. But the next the next run that rung down, absolutely. Mm. Mm. I have to think about that. I don't know if I'd have him at Newcastle. You would. Mm. You would. You would. I'd have to think about that. Look, I get the need to, you know, the sugar hit to try and win a trophy. Mm. But, um, you you know, if this is a real project, there's no need to rush it, right? Just step by step and try and make improvements as we go along. So Yeah, fair enough. Yeah. Um, But also, Laz on Chelsea, did you see the uh, the story that uh, Mudrick challenged someone to a bet? (laughs) No, I haven't seen this. I've, I have seen where um, Tiago Silva's wife is saying, how, oh, yes. long, how long before you make a change? <laughs> As in to Chelsea um, about Poch, I'm guessing. Is it about Poch? I, or, I, it, or, I don't think it would be about in-game, surely. <laughs> oh, I don't know. Maybe Tiago Silva's wife just wants to repaint the living room. Oh, fair enough. <laughs> fair um, enough. But uh, Bagala Mudrick. Someone DM'd him on Insta, I think it was, saying that you're a rubbish footballer, I'm better than you, all this sort of stuff. And Mudry actually went back and said, 
well, come on then. If you can beat me in a 1v1, I'll give you 10k. <laughs> Actually challenged him. How good's that? <laughs> Has the challenge occurred, Nathan? No, of course. The, the, the person who initiated has all gone running and into hiding. <laughs> funny Still that. funny nonetheless. <laughs> yeah, funny that. Very funny. Very funny indeed. Uh, Nathan, there is something that I would like to bring up. Mm-hmm. Right. With regards to, I'll just bring it up here. Just talk amongst yourselves quietly. I'll put some elevator music in here. Um, have you been across what's happening in into Miami or with their preseason at the moment and the issues being faced? I thought you would bring this up. Ah, uh, dang it! <laughs> I can't surprise you anymore, Nathan. Uh, you just got to look in more obscure places. I think. <laughs> maybe, maybe. I'm not going to the dark web, that's for sure. <laughs> but into Miami, in Hong yes. Kong. Yes, into Miami, in Hong Kong. So the Hong Kong government releases a messy statement. Have you seen this? I don't think I've seen the statement. Okay. Uh, go on. Let, me, let me read it out to you. Hmm. Government response to media inquiries relating to Tadley X first Hong Kong team versus into Miami. In response to the media inquiries relating to Tadley X first Hong Kong, Hong Kong team versus Inter Miami, government spokesman has given the following response. The event has been awarded M mark status as well as a matching grant of $15 million and a grant for venue of $1 million by the Major Sports Events Committee. Guarding Messi not playing the match today, the government as well as football fans are extremely disappointed about the organisers' arrangement. The organiser owes all football fans an explanation. The MSEC will take follow-up actions with the organiser according to the terms and conditions, which includes reducing the amount of funding as a result of Messi not playing the match. That sounds like a lot of waffle. A lot of bureaucracy. Yes. In communist China and uh, Hong Kong. Yes. Now, into Miami, go to Hong Kong, and they put out the uh, word at the time when they were trying to sell tickets that everyone from into Miami will play, including Messi. And uh, lo and behold, 24 hours before kickoff, suddenly Messi comes down with an illness or an injury and he can't play and he won't play. And uh, madness ensues. Everyone feels like they've been robbed and I understand their feeling. And it's uh, blowing up a little bit. The uh, Inter-Miami marketing tour is uh, not going so well. Not going so well. Yes. So they lost to Al Nasser 6-0 without Ronaldo playing. Mm. And then off to Hong Kong. They sell out the training. They sell out a stadium for a training session with Messi there. They sell it out, and then this happens. So, yes. Um, do Does MLS have a Messi problem or Inter-Miami have a Messi problem? Because when Messi's out, Inter-Miami go to shit. Oh, yeah. I mean, just look at where they were in the MLS standings before Messi arrived. They were dreadful. They were nowhere. Mm. Does Messi leave a legacy at into Miami so they become a, a very successful club post-Messi? Maybe not. Not the immediate term anyway, but I would think surely there's enough there for people to really get behind the club and all the financials that drive it. There's enough in the bank and enough resources there to ensure Miami become a, a big fish in the MLS pond. Mm. Particularly when you've got the likes of Alba and Busquets and Suarez yeah, now. I would imagine they're not all just going to depart at the same time. Oh, you never know. Maybe, maybe, actually. <laughs> you never know. <laughs> They're all of a similar vintage, aren't they, really? Mm, yeah. Um, World Cup draw, El Presidente. Mm, yes. 
World Cup draw. in the news again. World Cup stadium draw for one of a better term or yeah. scheduling. Um, Drake was involved. Your mate Drake. My my mate Drake. Yes. <laughs> I wish he was my mate. He can let me a tenner. <laughs> uh, it'd be nice. It'd be nice. <laughs> <laughs> Um, but yeah, Drake was involved and Kim Kardashian was involved and uh, another big US celebrity. I don't know, I forget who it was, but uh, this World Cup is going to be very, very Americanized, isn't it? Seems that way. Seems that way. Mm. What did you make of the World Cup final being awarded to New York, New Jersey, MetLife Stadium? I think it's, I think it's the most obvious call. I, I think it's the best call. You put the World Cup final on the east coast of the States, it's, it's a good time for European audiences. It's a big ground. I've heard that uh, people who frequent the stadium for NFL matches don't like the stadium at all. Mm-hmm. It's a big stadium. It's a relatively new stadium, but it's a bit lacking in terms of uh, infrastructure for public transport. And right. um, it's got a bit of a reputation for players doing their ACLs on the turf. Yeah. Okay. Not that that's going to be a problem at the World Cup because it'll be actual grass, not artificial. Yes, that's right. But the other option was Dallas or... Arlington, mm. and that doesn't make any sense at all to me. Dallas should not have had it after the uh, rubbish they pitch they served up, uh, you know, for that Mexico-Australia friendly. Yeah, exactly. And so I think that's look, what cost them. And it's FIFA. It's a World Cup. It shouldn't have even been a consideration. The final should have been right at the announcement. It's going to be in New York. Well, New Jersey, actually, but New York. Mm. And I think I saw at the quarterfinal stage, every game is going to be stateside. Yeah, that's Canada right. Canada and Mexico's hosting will cease at the round of 16. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Um, but we'll see for this World Cup. I think for people who went to Qatar, that's remembered quite fondly as a, a tournament where you could watch pretty much every single game because all mm. the stadiums are so close to each other. It's going to be yeah. very different, this one, where you've got stadiums all over the country and no one's going to be able to go to a whole host of games. You go to games in a particular region, be it in the Pacific Northwest, Northwest be it in the New York State area, be it in the Texas, Mexico, sure, whatever combination you see fit. But mm. it's going to be a little bit different. It's, gonna, it's not going to be a little bit different. It's going to be very different. <laughs> no. Look, it's going to be different in comparison to what was experienced in Qatar. However, I, you know, this is more in line with a traditional World Cup, mm. right? So that's where, um, that's where I think, uh, you know, the atmosphere within certain cities uh, will be uh, will be will be really good with regards to having live sites and okay not being able to go from one place to another to watch three games live in person at the same time. I mean that's just the Qatar's the only time that's ever happened and mm, yep. it's unlikely to happen with any other World Cup in the future, mm. right? <clears throat> um, what do we make of uh, El Presidente doing a casual Sunday? Ah, <laughs> oh, El Presidente, he's at it again. Man, yeah. Uh, well, he has his moments, doesn't he? He does. He does indeed. Uh, the World Cup will open at the Estadio Azteca in Mexico City, home of the 1970 Mex- uh, World Cup final and home of a couple of um, important events in the 1986 World Cup final as well, the Estadio Azteca. Indeed, indeed. With one Maradona. Very much so. Very much so. And mm. uh, look. It's good that Mexico is hosting another World Cup. Is the Mexican national team going to be ready? I'm going to say no. Uh, they won't be ready. No, not in the slightest. They might get grouped. 
even in the expanded tournament, they might get grouped. <laughs> um, but we're going to have a round of 32 for the first time ever at this tournament. Mm. There's going to be a lot of football in this group stage to knock out not many teams, but it's a similar format to what we got now in the Asian Cup and the AFCON. And hey, I, I'm, I didn't complain about the football in the group stage, but only losing eight teams in those tournaments. Saying it, saying it was too much, that wasn't the case. So uh, maybe it'll be something similar. Yeah, I think it'll work. I think it'll work. Where did you want to go to, Nathan? Uh, I think, Laz, it's almost time for us to wrap up, unless you've okay. got some other stuff. The world of football keeps throwing up things, Nathan, but I think you're right. I think uh, Sorry, Laz. I think we've covered off uh, the major events of uh, of this week. We have, and we've already mentioned our highlights for the weekend. Mm-hmm. AFCON final, Asian Cup final, Leverkusen, Bayern Munich, Real Madrid, Girona. The big weekend in football coming up. Yep, yep. Who man you got? Not to mention. Uh, yeah, we're at Villa. That's right. Yes, you're at Villa. Mm, that's a big game as well in the Premier it League. It is a big game. It is a big game for the Premier League, indeed. Indeed. Yep, and the Bulls are down at Melbourne Victory. Which will be a great game in the A-League. That it will be. That it yeah. will be. And yeah. Sydney Central Coast as well. Which is an interesting affair. Mm. Mm. Look, there'll be plenty of football to get around to, Nathan, that's for sure. You're not wrong there. You are not wrong there. The football train rumbles on for another week. And, Laz, it's always great to talk over it with you when Ooh. we sit down here and do the back peg. Uh, thank you to yourself for joining me. Thank you to the listeners for checking out this part and all the others. And enjoy the football. Enjoy the latter stages of the international tournaments. And we'll speak to you next week. Well said, Nathan. Enjoy the football all. Take care.